We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Okay. Hello, everyone. It's a bit hot, isn't it? So hot is that when you get up, you're very self-conscious how much condensed condensation you've left on your seat. Looks like you've been leaking out of your butt. <laughs> All for you to think about next time you have to stand up. Right, so we are, we kicked off last week this series on kings. <coughs> and we're going to continue with episode two today. We are um, putting together a kings series Resource repository. Now you've got to say that one right. When asked, where do you want to put all of this king stuff that you're collecting? In the course repository. So in this, we're going to have um, all the different material that we use to present on a Sunday. Um, if there's other little things that we're coming across, such as videos or podcasts that we think would also help, um, we will be putting that there. Um, when you submit questions to me, I've not had a single question yet. Um, when you submit questions for me, we begin to collect those together, and uh, we're going to be doing this podcast every few sessions um, because we really want to make this series something that you and your friends can explore, can look at together um, at different points. So um, all, all that information will be in your um, e-bulletin, e-briefing. Bulletin, yeah. If you're not on the bulletin, by the way, um, we can help you get on there. Who's best to come to talk to you? So come talk to Elspeth. Elspeth, give us a little wave. Okay. Right, okay, so last week we gave a kind of overview of creation, right to kings, and looked at a few of the key characters that, that are involved. So, um, where's Lydia? Lydia's going to be, you'd be my little Bible reader. Now, do you want people to watch you while you read, or do you prefer not to be seen? You can stand here and read. There you go. Right, so, what we're going to do, we're going to do a, a, a few verses, then I'm going to talk, uh, talk about it for a little bit, and then we'll do a few more verses. We're hoping to get through the whole of chapter one today. Okay, right. When King David was very old, he could not keep warm, even when they put covers over him. So his attendants said to him, let us look for a young virgin to serve the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our Lord the king may keep warm. They then searched throughout Israel for a beautiful young woman and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The woman was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no sexual relations with her. Yeah, that's a thing to kick off your sermon with, isn't it? <laughs> All right, Lydia, just grab a seat for us. Okay. Now, when I was thinking back 20 years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, we really made this series interesting by doing kind of take-apart dramas as we worked through. <laughs> I ain't going to start with a take-apart drama on this one. I, this, this, when we got together to study, we started thinking... I don't know where you take this message. <laughs> so here we've got 
this young virgin that has been found to effectively be a human hot water bottle for, for the king. Um, it doesn't look like it was the king's idea, it was his servant's idea. I'm not quite sure what state David is in mentally by this point. By the way, we're talking around about 970 um, BCE about this time. So about a thousand years less, uh, a little bit less than than when Jesus arrived. So she she is brought in to to the scene here. Um, She wasn't one that we looked at last week, but she, she has a significant but minor role to begin with. So she's the hot water bottle, but if you, realize, if you remember, the whole thing of who has been in the king's bed makes a difference. And so you see Absalom, I mentioned last time, slept with one of the king's concubines on the rooftop. There, there is a sense to which Abishag, we will see, will become a political bargaining chip in the uh, quest for power. That's really in chapter 2. I guess probably one of the things that we're looking at in in this is it says in Ephesians 5 verse 3 that among you there must be not even a a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. I don't know if this was common in those days. To me this would fall into the area of... This is a hint of something sexually immoral. So I think there's something just to remember um, as we look at that that part here. Then we jump across to the next section, Lydia. Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Jeriah, and with Abathah the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoda, Nathan the prophet, Shimei and Ray, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zoheleth near Enrogel. He invited all of the brothers, the king's sons, and all of the royal officials of Judah, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaiah or the special guard or his brother Solomon. Okay, right. I went for lots of Ps for this this next section. So the first thing I want to talk about is parenting. That is a very telling line. So Adonijah has just presented himself as the next king. His father had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do. Parenting is a very critical role. To be honest, you probably should be interviewed before you're allowed to breed, (laughs) to see if you're actually good enough to fulfill the job. But that's one of nature's things that you don't have to do an interview for possibly your most important job that you have in life. But I had this question. Why might a parent be tempted to fail to rebuke their child? Just talk to the person next to you. Why might, some, why might a parent fail to do this?
Okay, let's see if um, let's see if I got the same things as you. I think sometimes we might fail as parents to rebuke, to confront, to correct our children because we want their affection. And we think if we challenge them, they might not like us or love us. So we are looking for friendship rather than taking up our role of being a leader and a guide. We're not prepared to pay the price. Or in some cases, we can be so focused on striving to make a name for ourselves, we end up being too busy to actually engage with what's going on for our children and the behavior that they're engaging with. And so you see David, this heroic character, this, this hero of the faith, but he had a blind spot when it comes to his children. And you see that across his story. My, my dad tells the story of one time he felt God speak to him. He said, if you had the biggest church in London, but your children were not walking with me, would you be satisfied? And dad was so moved by that that he went on a process of thinking, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to make some changes here. And so he would prioritize those family times that we'd have together. Holidays were such an important thing for us. We used to have family night on a Monday night. Um, tried to, he had to turn down opportunities to go and minister in places so that we would have time with our families. Um, a, a guy I met in Zimbabwe, who's a, a pastor, he said, we spend so much time as pastors rescuing other people's children that sometimes we forget our own. And we've got to be very careful that we stick to the first responsibility that God has given us. So parenting is a key thing. But also, have a little think. You probably have some blind spots. For David, it was his children. Who is close enough to you to reveal your blind spots to you? Who points out, ah, you're missing this, or have you considered that? It's important to have people that are close enough to help you reveal your blind spots. All right, sticking with our Ps. This whole kind of chapter is, a, to me, about presentation, presumptions, protocol, positioning, pomp. I didn't even put that one in. So we've got right here, Adonijah has just selected himself, put himself forward, saying, I will be the king. And so he's got his chariots, and he's going out looking like the king. Now, you might remember when uh, the presidential, the US presidential campaign was going on back in 2008, when Obama was campaigning to be president. He was still a senator at this point. But he actually flew into the UK and was going round in a motorcade, exactly like what the president would have done. He hadn't even been elected, but he was presenting himself as, look, I'm looking very presidential to you. And that's what Adonijah was hoping to do. And he started pulling together this impressive cabinet. It was his, he had a, a powerful political partnership. And within his team, <coughs> he had Joab, the general. You remember Joab from last week? He had Abiathar, the priest. He had a bunch of the king's other sons, and pre uh, princes that were there. And he had a bunch of the kind of the royal officials, the civil service. That's a pretty impressive team that he's assembled there. That he, 
excluded was Zadok the priest, Benaniah, who's kind of like a captain, Nathan the prophet, and Shimei and Ray, who were seemingly like the bodyguards. So Adonijah excluded anyone that wouldn't support his claim or his action. It's worth considering, why is this person inviting you in to what they're trying to do? Why is this person talking to me about what they're choosing to talk to me about? Do they see me as someone that's just going to rubber stamp what they're doing? In the same way, when someone's excluding you, why are they excluding me? Is it because they're uncomfortable with the position that I might take? Similarly, who, who do you draw close to you? Who are you willing to discuss your plans, your hopes to? So outside appearance seems to be a big thing. We see already Abishag, that she is beautiful. Adonijah, he looks the part. So in theory, he's next in line. He's handsome. He's got an impressive cabinet. He's got a nice motorcade. And he's doing all the sacrifices and all the things that look, look like they're spiritual and the things to do. But there's something very different from Adonijah's approach when you think of David's approach to, to kingship. So Adonijah puts himself forward saying, I will be king. David, even though he had been anointed by Samuel, even though Saul was trying to hunt him, he did not take the opportunity to end Saul's life. He would not put himself forward. He was waiting for God to reveal the time. On the outside, it looks like this guy, he makes sense. And it's very easy to be persuaded by appearances. If something stimulates our emotion, suddenly we can go along with it without really thinking about it. We can look around, oh, everyone else is getting involved in this, therefore I will as well. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, it makes sense, I need to do this thing, I've got to go this way because I need the experience or the qualification. If I don't go this way, I'll never achieve my goals. Sometimes we can look at appearance by judging our success based on where our career is at. Or we can have a, a fear drive us. If I don't do this, everything is going to come undone. The problem with this outward appearance focus is that God works very differently. Are you currently making decisions based on an outside appearance? Are there things in your career? Are there things in your education, in your friendship groups, where you're doing something just based on what it looks like on the outside? As we're going through this King series, what I'm going to be te teaching is somewhat dictated by what is on the page. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will be pinpricking you for different points that come up in this story. And I believe that as I'm raising this question, the Holy Spirit might be working in you and say, yeah, that area of your life, you're making very logical decisions purely on the outside appearance.
So the missing ingredient, though, Adonijah had not been anointed. When we look at the previous kings, Samuel anointed Saul, then Samuel anointed David. Adonijah hasn't been anointed. Anointed being that set apart to be a representative that God has called. He just put himself forward. He was not looking for what does God want in this matter. It makes a world of difference when you are anointed. You have a security of knowing what God, what, that God is on your side. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has, come, has become king, and our Lord David knows nothing about it? Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son, Solomon. Go into King David and say to him, My lord the king, did you not swear to me, your servant, surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? While you are still there, talking to the king, I will come in and add my word to what you have said. Okay, so you've got... Nathan, the prophet, we've seen him involved in, uh, in David's story previously. It's a very significant role, the prophet. I don't just give little words every now and again, but these guys were intrinsically wrapped into the government and, and the, the influencing um, society at large. We want to be sensitive to the prophetic. We want to hear what is being brought, because sometimes it even comes with a sense of strategy of how to do things. How do we receive prophecy? Well, we weigh it. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We consider it before God and before a council, like people that we trust that are helping us find what God's got for us. And we ask the questions, does this fit with the word of God? Because God's not going to contradict his, his written word. Does it fit with other things that God has said over me? And if it's God's word, we take it seriously. I um, spent some time with this church in, in America, and each of them would tell me about a prophetic word that was given over them. But it was almost like it was a little trophy that was put in a cabinet that they kept on referring to, this is what God has said. But there was no effort to actually go after it, to seek it, to make it happen. It was almost like, this shows me that I'm, I'm valuable. But God's word is there to inform and change things as well. And I think taking the word seriously is like, God, I'm, I'm looking for the fulfillment of your word and I want to play whatever part mine is. Sometimes we have an action to do. Sometimes it's about just looking in the right direction. Nathan's made some mistakes at different points, but that does not stop him from being able to bring the word of God. I find that quite reassuring. In Numbers, you, I think it's Numbers, maybe Deuteronomy, you see the story of um, a guy called Balaam, who God spoke through. He was a sorcerer um, and was told to bring curses down on top of Israel. And every time he opened his mouth, he started speaking truth. But there's a fascinating story when he's on a donkey and the donkey starts talking to him. I mean, if you don't know that story, you've got to look it up. 
I'm always reassured that God can speak through an ass. Because it means that I still qualify. So Bathsheba and Nathan work out almost like stage directions. How are they going to handle presenting this message to David? So Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room, where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him. Bathsheba bowed down, prostrating herself before the king. What is it you want? the king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God. Solomon your son shall become king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon, your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as the lord uh, the king is laid to rest with his ancestors, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals." While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived, and the king was told, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king and bowed with his face to the ground. Nathan said, have you, my lord, the king, declared that Adonijah shall be king after you, and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest, at this very moment, they are eating and drinking with him and saying, Long live King Adonijah. But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah, son of Jehoda, and your servant Solomon, he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who should sit on the throne of the lord my king after him? Okay, so the stage directions that have been planned are now being worked out perfectly. So... Bathsheba goes into King David and presents this situation. Now, maybe his mind is failing, maybe his body is failing, but she still recognizes this is the anointed one that God has chosen to work through. And so Bathsheba comes to him to have the conversation. Her position is she's willing to... Un to expose the unrighteousness that is going on in, in the kingdom. You see here a model of how do you present things in recognition and honor of those that, are, that God has called to lead. So it's direct, but it's gentle. It's not accusatory. Did you not say? is recognizing authorities and structures that, that God had put in place. And then when Nathan comes in, the value of asking questions, taking a position of curiosity. Did, did, have you done this? Have you given him permission to be the king and just not told us? So there's a curiosity rather than a judgment position. So if, if we've got to raise things with people, let's take that position. Is... Is this, this is what it looks like on the outside, but let me take a second to hear if that's what you're saying. 
Up, down, up, down. Then King David said, Call in Bathsheba. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. The king then took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your, your son shall be king after me, and he, will, yeah, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, prostrating herself before the king, and said, May my Lord, King David, live forever. King David said, Call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah son of Jehoda. When they came before the king, he said to them, Take your Lord's servants with you, and put Solomon my son on my own mule, and take him down to Gihon. There shall Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah son of Jehoda answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of, of, my, king, of my lord the king, so declare it. As the Lord was with my lord the king, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoda, the Kerithites and the Pelethites went down and put Solomon on King David's mule, and they escorted him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing pipes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. So, David hears what's going on in his kingdom. And then he acts very quick on it. I mean, all of this you'll see is happening at the same time that Adonijah's still in the banquet. Like, he, he pulls this together pretty quick. He issues all of these commands. There's a value in, once you've heard what God wants, don't spend a long time debating it. Let's just get on with it and act on it. Otherwise, the birds of the air can come and take the things that God has, the seeds that God has given us. And it's reference to a story that, a parable that Jesus talks about, about the seed being put out, God's word being put out. It's vulnerable to be taken away if we're not acting on it. When we've talked about ministering the spirit, that's one of the features that we believe, is the, the distance between hearing God, what God wants, and acting on it will get shorter and shorter. And as we're faithful with the little that he gives us, the more will be given to us. And I'm excited about that. I want to see God working through my life more and more. Should David have been more aware of what was happening in his kingdom, what his own sons were doing? Possibly. But now it's brought to his attention. He's not now licking his wounds, thinking, oh, woe is me, I should have spotted this, I should be knowing what's going on. No, he, he, make, he takes correct, corrective action. Sometimes when we talk about conviction and repentance, it can feel like this really negative sense of, oh, I've got to repent, I've got to pour out my soul. Sometimes, and I think Dan, uh, Dan Mola said this, sometimes conviction is, duh, like, oh, of course. And it's an invitation 
into living how we were called to live, rather than this thing, oh, I've got to pull something out of myself. No, it's a freedom. Talks about in Acts 11 that the, the Gentiles were granted, forgive, uh, re- granted repentance, the sense of a gift. Repentance is a gift. Great, I can change my way. That's good news. And David took it as good news rather than something to beat himself up with. You see within Dan, uh, David's position there's a commitment to raise up the next generation. Are we committed to doing that? Are you looking around? Who can you kind of put an arm around or take under your wing? This is beyond just a functional training, though there is lots of ways that we can serve by learning the cameras or the PA desk or doing setup or throughout all of the life of the church. There are very functional things, but even more so when you're giving of yourself, where you're calling out what God has put in that individual. We need to be people that are thinking, who are we calling out? Who are we taking under our wing? That's a question for you to, to, to be thinking about this week. Solomon did not declare him as, himself as king like Adonijah did. He waited for the blessing that came from David and the anointing from Zadok. He wanted anointing more than he wanted a banquet. He wanted the real thing more than presentation. And the ground shook with the sound. It's not very English, is it? I think there's something for us about being able to celebrate what God's up to. I wish I was better at celebrating. I really do. But maybe that's something that God's got for us in the coming days. Be able to celebrate, let our hair down a little bit more when we see that God is doing what he promised he would do in front of our very eyes. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab asked, what's the meaning of all the noise in the city? Even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, come in, a worthy man like you must be bringing good news. Not at all, Jonathan answered. Our Lord, King David, has made Solomon king. The king has sent, him, sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoda, the Kerethites, and the Pelethites, and they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. From there they have gone up cheering, and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Also, the royal officials have come to congratulate our Lord, King David, saying, May your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours, and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. Okay, things are beginning to unravel for Adonijah at this point. So he hears this sound going on while he's in this banquet. What's this? So a guy comes in called Jonathan, and he says, Ah, come in. A worthy man like you must be bringing good news. Beware of flattery. Someone that tries to butter you up because you're hoping 
because they're hoping that you're going to say something in their favor. Sometimes it can feel very awkward when someone presents you in such a manner to bring the opposite sentiment to what they're looking for. But we want to be people that are able to speak truth, even if that means upsetting people. And then we see this line from David. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my, my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. There is something so impressive about David's position. Where so much of, of life is about trying to position yourself higher than everyone else, knock everyone else down. We might even be seeing it right now with, with our own prime minister and ex-prime minister looking just to stick the knife in to try and bring down the successor. But what you get from David at this point is a sense of longevity, realizing that what God wants to do on the earth started before David appeared and it will continue after David appeared. He is living his role for a short point of time, but he is committed to see God's kingdom come on earth. We are here, this side of the veil, for maybe 90 years if we're lucky. What do you want to do during those 90 years? What do you want to leave here that will last beyond you? If it's just about promoting yourself, getting yourself to the greatest state of happiness. You're not interested in what God is continually to, continuing doing in this earth. And previously in the, the, previously in the chapter, verse 37, one, was, one of the guys was wishing that Solomon's rule would be even greater than David. I want the next generation to take us further than what my generation has been able to do. Because if we want to see God's kingdom and God's glory fill this earth, it's got to be better than what I've seen during my lifetime. This is why it's so significant about taking others under your wing. Because we've got to pass on the, whatever wisdom we've got to help them take things further than we've been. Final passage. Okay. At this, all Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. And Solomon said, go to your home. Okay, so we, we see the, the rapid fall from grace. So first of all, his guests get up and leave his party. Okay, that's, that's never a good sign when they all get up and leave. Next, he runs to... Uh, the, the temple courts where the altar is, and he grabs hold of one of the horns of the altar. This is a way of pleading for mercy, saying, uh-oh, I'm, I'm in danger here. And then we finally see him 
coming and bowing before Solomon, who is the king. Adonijah tried to take something for himself, and he saw everything that he had just tumble away. My dad um, knew this guy that was part of an, another network that we were serving with for a period of time. And he was an incredible Bible teacher. He was leading the church. Um, quite a lot of influence and significance. And he took a position, and he, he said this to my dad, I've served God my whole life. Now I want something for myself. Within six months, he lost his church, he lost his wife, and then he lost his life. He had a quick decline. When you take a position that I'm going to look after myself, you take yourself out of the grace that God has for you. It's a very dangerous position to take, and it can all fall apart as quick as that. Solomon doesn't execute um, Adonijah, um, and, but he's looking for fruits of repentance. And we'll see some more of that, because he, he says, you can go home, but he's going to be watching. Yeah, because he says, not a hair on his head will fall to the ground, but, evil, but if evil is found in him, he will die. So there's a point to which we can be forgiving and merciful, but there's still a responsibility to look for signs that someone's walking in the gift of the repentance that is there for them. Not because we're going to execute them. That's really not our role. But so we can see a brother fully restored into what God's got for them. It's not just enough just to say sorry and, it, and, and leave it like that. Like, I want to see the good for that brother or sister that God has intended for them. So, that is the end of chapter one and episode two of our King's study. Um, we won't be doing it next week because we've got the, um, we got the guest Sunday. Um, there is... Oh, I missed a whole page. <laughs> Give me a second. Let me just work out when I was meant to say that stuff. Oh, that would have been good to have said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get back into the flow of it. I'm just a little bit, a little bit confused there. I turn the page, and I've not got page, because this one doesn't have a page number on it. I've got slide numbers, and oh, right. So that was the back of slide five. Right. <laughs> I thought I'd missed this point. I wondered if it was in a later, later chapter. When we were talking about um, Adonijah's move for um, position, he, he kind of ramped up the, the pomp and the ceremony to cover up for the fact that he lacked the anointing. And there was a story that my, my dad had where he was connecting with this other leader um, from America who... Dad could see this guy's carrying something and he was bringing him more involved in stuff. And some of the, the other UK leaders were saying to Dad, this guy, he wants your network. He wants to take this over. And Dad just didn't see it 
and he wasn't worried about it because he said, if God has given me this role to do, it can't be taken away by any man. And it's something I often hear with, with Prince when he's had so much, um, so much contention on his role in leading the work in Sierra Leone. He says, if God says yes, nobody can say no. That level of security, I want to live in that level of security, that I don't have to promote myself, that I don't have to be looking over my shoulder all the time to think who's, who's trying to take me down. If God's given it to me, it can't be taken away by anyone else. And when I spoke the other week about um, being a child of God compared to an orphan, that's what came back to my mind. I don't have to beg, borrow, steal, manipulate, hoard things. I can hold it open because if it's what God's got for me, I can trust my Father in heaven will make sure I always have what I need. And there were some other good points, but we'll talk about them some other time. So this has been a scattergun of thoughts with some questions, not necessarily in chronicle order. So I really just depend on the Holy Spirit kind of bringing things for you. But there were some questions that we threw in there along the way around parenting, blind spots. Are you currently making decisions based on the outside appearance? At times, are you feeling defensive um, or tempted to talk up your qualifications forgetting the fact that if God's called you to it, if he's given it to you, if he's anointed you for it, you don't have to be afraid. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.